Good morning, good afternoon. We thank you so much for tuning in to the We Dream Podcast brought to you by Men's and Women's Leadership Academy. That's right. This is episode number one. We're starting out. Uh, we're so excited to have a very special guest today in D'Angelo Mack. Hey, hey. How you doing, Mr. Magnificent? How's it going? Very well, very well. First episode. I'm <laughs> on the first yeah, episode. Man. Yeah, you're the first one. What's up? Yeah, it's no our pressure. honor, though. No it is pressure. our honor. Honor's mine, guys. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can't mess up, though. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll try not to. Mm-hmm. Um, and D'Angelo, man, just from being a community organizer, a motivational speaker, a playwright, youth pastor, you are doing it all. Man, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of hats. <laughs> a lot of inspiration you're doing, huh? Yeah. Try. So, um, real quick, my name is Gavin Vega. I've been with Men's and Women's Leadership Academy for roughly a year now. Um, I've had so many beautiful um, exposure to things and just beautiful experiences. Um, and this is one of them, the podcast. So I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, so my name is Raymond White. I've been with Men's Leadership Academy for, I want to say, three years now. Um, and I've just been enjoying the ride. So, yeah. <laughs> Raymond, the, the, the tenor in your voice is so, oh, so yeah. nice. Oh. <laughs> hey, so um, that, we're just going to have a conversation. Um, it's just going to be natural and flowing. Is that cool with you? I'm down. I'm hey, so down. let's get it. So, um, first of all, let's get to know D'Angelo. So, introduce yourself to us. Tell us who you are and what is it that you do for sure um so my name is uh d'angelo mac it's my given name it's not made up um and uh, i'm originally from uh the chicagoland area small town called joliet um and uh i live here now in sacramento been here forever um, mm. many more years than you guys have been born mm-hmm. um and i'm a dad uh first off uh, i'm a father that's the, the biggest most important thing in my life. And uh, I uh, also do a lot of community work as you guys just uh, spoke about. But uh, the main thing I do is uh, work with young people who've been uh, injured violently. So, mm. Yes, yeah. and that's beautiful. You know, you're giving back. That's beautiful. So um, how did you get started? Um, and where I'm fresh into college, Raymond's senior. Yeah. So how did you get started? You can start younger if you like, but how did you get started with this work? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've always been vested in, in community. Uh, something about just growing up uh, where I grew up in, in the Midwest, we had just this feel of, of neighbor and, and community. And so that's been a part of my fabric since you know I was very young. But uh, my heart has always been for, peop- for people. And so mm-hmm. uh, when I came out here, uh, for college way back when um, I started to get uh, more connected with community, uh, started to walk after God, ended up uh, actually becoming a, a youth pastor. And then I just been rocking with community since then. Hmm. That's dope, yeah. especially you said about your community, because I feel like that community togetherness mm-hmm. isn't really there as much anymore. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel the same way. Uh, we, we, actually uh, live in neighborhoods and, and we're around people all the time uh, but we don't actually even know who our neighbors yeah, are nope. right? <laughs> yeah right? growing For up sure. we we knew we knew uh you know that was mr and mrs jackson over there and that was yeah. mr and mrs gonzalez over there right and so we had a relationship we were we were actually a, a neighborhood and 
you don't get that. You don't no. get that much. Mm-mm. From my perspective, that that seems like some movie stuff, yeah, like knowing true. Mrs. Johnson from down the street right. or something like that. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Bringing a new neighbor's uh, birthday yeah. cake, yeah. cupcake, yeah. and something like yeah. that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, nobody ever brought us casseroles and nothing, but <laughs> we did. We did uh, growing up. We were able to, you know, go to each other's houses and eat and uh, borrow sugar. Bar- for, for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. that's something that we probably don't do here. Like mm-hmm. knock on a neighbor's door. And, Get some mm-hmm. sugar. Yeah, yeah. That's Y'all beautiful. probably too don't get collective butt whoopings either. Cause oh no! Yeah, I know I think, growing uh, up, my neighbors if they saw me doing something, they uh, they handed to me. So, collective. Uh, I like yeah. that. So um, we're gonna talk about your work mm-hmm. and what you do the, for for the community. Um, but what keeps you going? Because I know you see a lot, especially with trauma. Yeah. What keeps you going through those tough times that I'm sure you have to go through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this field, um, self care, man, is mm-hmm. is is a number one. You know, seeing uh, folks who are uh, violently injured, you definitely got to have something to fall back on. So, um, uh, family is is huge to me. You know, like I said, my 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 kids are are my number one source. You know. And of course, my my faith walk and and actually having some type of connection in doing this work, I tell everybody, man, you gotta have some type of connection to some something mm-hmm. higher or bigger than you, uh, or else you know you'll crumble because you can't do this work in your own strength. Mm-hmm. It's just it's too heavy. And so uh, that walk, that that relationship I have uh, uh, with the Creator and uh, my family, and then just simple stuff like. You know, making sure I'm taking walks and, yeah. and golfing and playing basketball and, and going to the movies. I'm always at the movies, you know. Mm, yeah. Same. But little things like that so that I can recharge and, and separate myself from the work is, is very important. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right quick, for people who, like, aren't really familiar with your kind of work, mm-hmm. uh, give us a little rundown of what it what it looks like when you come up uh, upon a person who has been yeah. uh, victimized and... and uh, you know, for sure. Yeah. So uh, that that hat that I wear uh, as the I manage a, a violence intervention uh, program, and basically what happens is we work with young people, uh, 15 to 26 years old, who've been shot, stabbed, or uh, beaten almost to death. Right. And so um, what we do is uh, we get a phone call from the hospital. Uh, and we go into the hospital system and uh, we work with the families make sure that they don't want to go back out into the community and retaliate mm-hmm. as you can imagine folks you know anger and, and frustrations are high yeah. um, people want swift justice and we go in and try to de-escalate situations uh, in that aspect mm-hmm. and then uh, we also work with the doctors and, and the police uh, as far as being liaisons right um, doctors speak a certain language and if you your loved one is injured you're not understanding what a doctor's saying so mm-hmm. we can be that 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 uh, bridge between the doctor and, and the family. We can also be the bridge between the police and, and the family because mm. police have a certain way of speaking, right? Right. You see wow. everybody right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much as, as uh, the problem or, or, or a perpetrator. So we get to talk for them at, at times as well. But mm-hmm. we're, we're definitely right there bedside uh, while the doctors are working on an individual, right? It's trying right. to save their lives. And we're t- telling that individual, listen, you know, this is who I am. I'm going to be here after you get out of uh, OR or the operating room, and we're going to rock together, man. We're going to make sure you get back to, to full strength and recovery. Um, and after they get out of the hospital, 
the program actually follows them for about six months to a year and just wrapping services around them. Um, it's just not normal being shot, right? Right. It's not yeah, normal being no. stabbed. And so there's a mental aspect along with the physical aspect that comes with it. And so uh, we're there to actually journey with them to healing is yeah. what we're trying to do. And especially as a young mind having to go through that, you right. know, and you haven't seen all this before and all of a sudden you, you have to go through this. That must be rough. It is. Uh, rough. Yeah. I think it's really interesting earlier that you said you really, you watch a lot of movies. Um, some might, some might uh, consider what you see at your work. Um, I feel like many people only see things like that inside a movie. So mm. I love to break stereotypes. Um, what's, what's, What's the difference between things that you see in your everyday work and the things that people see in those movies that are similar to what you see? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, uh, the, the the stereotype that gun violence looks a certain way. Mm. Let's just mm. break that already. Mm -hmm. Violence is violence and it doesn't have a face. Mm -hmm. And so often we look at uh, young uh, black and brown individuals and, and we say, well, they put themselves in that situation, or we see movies that depict that, and so we automatically think if they got dreads or if they got darker skin, mm -hmm. they probably caused the situation. They mm -hmm. did something to be injured or to be shot, or maybe they were uh, perpetrators as well, uh, and that's not the case. One of the things that we, we get all the time is, oh, so you guys work with those gang members. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait wow. a second, come wow. on now. So the majority of the, the, the patients or clients that we work with aren't in gangs. I want to say about 90% of those young individuals who get shot or, or injured um, are wrong place, wrong time. Wow. They're, they're not gang members. They're wow. not affiliated with gangs, um, but they get lumped into that because of music, because of media, because of movies, the things right. that we see or, or the things that people see. And so that's one thing right out the gate that we see in movies uh, depicting us as villains or depicting us as um, perpetrators that people automatically say, well, they must have did something to be injured. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and I know when um, I realized how precious life was, I was in high school and um, one of my classmates was killed. They were hit by a car. Mm. And that's when I realized it can happen to anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's when I realized life is so precious mm -hmm. and it can be just taken away just like that. Yeah. It's so, like a vapor, man. Life, yeah. life is here and it's there. And in, in any moment, we should all definitely be thankful. Yeah. For sure. So um, I've had my mentors, whether it be Dylan or Mr. Uh, Smith or Mr. Strother, do you have any mentors that stand out to you or any inspirations that you'd like to shout out or tell us about? Oh, for sure. Well, shout out to Florida Mac, you know, first okay. and foremost, my mom. Uh, she was a single mom raising three kids and uh, she did the thing. So right. definitely shout out to her. There was times where um, we had nothing, literally mm. nothing. And, and um, she made a way, right, uh, on a teacher's salary. Mm. Um, by herself raising three kids um, we would have no heat um, and no lights and she would do things like you know light candles and and call it a you know adventure night we didn't really, really even know we didn't have right we used the oven to warm the house and we just thought wow. you know we was kicking it we were doing candlelight type of stuff and she made those those situations bearable right yeah um so definitely a shout out uh, to my mom and then just um all the all the great men that have been a part of my life uh growing up um 
uh, starting, you know, my dad wasn't, wasn't in my life until later on, uh, when I became a teenager, but he was an awesome man. Once I met him and I realized the type of man he was, uh, he taught me a lot. And, and so did my uncles growing up, those, those guys that I looked up to, those guys that poured into me, uh, and made me, you know, uh, uh, desire to be a, a better man, uh, I saw what they did in the community and how they interacted with with uh, women, and, and they gave me that first impression of how uh, to do those. So definitely shout out to them. Yeah. And then professionally, I got so many, you know, just in this field uh, that I am not going to say any names mm-hmm. um, because I will forget folks, and they will come back and and say, "Look at Marcus looking at me right now." So Marcus Struthers, you know, that that's definitely mm-hmm. one of my dudes. But yeah. if I start saying names, you guys know how it is. But oh, yeah. there's a lot of folks who have poured into my life yeah. um, over you know this this my lifespan, and so uh, I'm thankful. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on, you mentioned before you wear many hats. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those hats is being a playwright, mm-hmm. correct? So, um, do you want to talk about Trigger? Hey. Um, actually, you know what? Let's talk about what's your favorite book? Cause you are a playwright <laughs> oh. and I love to read books. So talk about what is your favorite wow. book? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I, there's so many, I, I, I know that, um, I hate to be so, work related um but uh there's a there's an author uh she's also a doctor um dr joy de wrote a book called post-traumatic slave syndrome um it's a bomb book and it's a, a lot of her work i based on the work that i do so i, I absolutely love that book and then there's another book these are kind of like heavy books but um there's a book called all god's children uh, by fox butterworth it's uh it talks about uh, America and its tradition of violence and, and from uh, the start when they came when, when, when Europeans came here uh, what violent how they how violence started to actually what it looks like now and so um, that's a great great read um, it's kind of wordy in the beginning but <laughs> st- stick with yeah. it if you decide to, to read it and anything by uh, ta Coates um, <laughs> I'm picking up and I'm reading so okay. um, yeah yeah, I appreciate that. I wanted to hear that from a playwright. Um, so let's. <laughs> oh, sorry, August Wilson. <laughs> Any anything, August Wilson. Okay. Let me shout out my man, August Wilson. <laughs> We're gonna check him out. Yeah. Um. So now let's talk about Trigger. Um. How does Trigger? And you can go ahead and give us a rundown. But how does that help us deal with trauma and understand trauma? Because like Raymond said, that's something that we only see in the movies. Yeah. You know. So how does that help us outsiders deal with it and yeah, yeah. understand it? So um, Trigger is a play that uh, I developed. It's, um, it's co-written, co-produced, and, and uh, uh, of course acted uh, by young people. And what we wanted to do, we, uh, a group came to us and said, can you do something uh, around ACEs, which is adverse childhood experiences, um, the things that we experience traumatically as kids have an effect on our health as, a, as adults. It's a, it's a research study. And so uh, I was like, yeah, we could definitely do something. But I wanted to do something around urban youth, um, youth that um, grow up in uh, atmospheres where uh, the actual atmosphere itself is traumatic. And so um, Trigger came about um, from, from that vein. And uh, we basically tell this story, right, of how uh, uh, communities of color, especially black communities, 
um, don't do well with sharing when it comes to mental health issues, right? Uh, so we took uh, these young people, about six young people, and gave them these different issues that, that ranged from gun violence to um, body image issues, self, self-image issues, uh, abandonment issues, uh, illnesses. Um, and uh, we put these, these young people on stage and uh, the main actress uh, kind of like went through uh, a self-care mental health session. Right, um, it's got twists and turns to it. Uh, I, I don't want to give it away because some some of y'all might want to see it later. But um, it ended up being becoming this powerful piece of discussion, right? Mm-hmm. Where people would come after the play and say, "Hey, listen, you know, I've been dealing with this issue and I haven't uh, figured out a way to talk about it, and this play is giving me that that voice." Or my cousin got shot, and these are the things that we've been dealing with traumatically, or I was a foster kid growing up and nobody understood. And so it's become this like uh, discussion piece around mental health and, and adverse childhood experiences. And so um, really what we wanted to do is just give young people a voice to say, hey, this stuff is happening to me in my communities, in my households, um, and I have no outlet to share. Mm-hmm. I want an outlet. So. Um, so I have, I have a quick question. Um, uh, something I always wonder myself, uh, where, where exactly do you think the stigma towards, uh, mental health existence even came from? Because in the black community, even, even so specifically, I see there's like a, there's like an anger and defensive sort of, um, movement against, uh, mental health. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you think that came from specifically? That's, that's a great community. Very, very good question. Um, personally, um, I, I think uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm very big on historical trauma and generational trauma. And um, our folks are very traumatized from things that have happened to us uh, in, in the past. And growing up, um, there was this mantra in, in black households um, that probably still stands today. And, and that was uh, what happens in my house stays in my house Mm. right Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the issues that happen in 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 black households uh they were swept under the rug and and we didn't talk about those things and usually uh those those things were swept under for fear of retaliation or or, uh, fear of uh of of backlash of, of these things happening and so when you you look at mental health um black communities sometimes think that if you sit down and talk to somebody, um, you'll be considered crazy or you, you, you can be considered something's wrong with you or the issues of your household will get out to who knows who mm-hmm. and then there, there will be problems. And that, that's a generational um, type of thinking, mm-hmm. right? And so there, there's uh, a, a huge stigma that we're trying to actually break uh, when it comes to black and brown individuals, especially black individuals, that uh, mental health is just as important as taking care of physical health. Right, right? of course, your of heart, course. If your heart helps, yes. you don't go check the doctor or right. stub, you know, stub your toe, you don't right. go see, you know. <laughs> Same with your mind, right. you know, even more so, possibly more so important is your, your mind's health. So Right, I, I would argue that too. Yeah. Definitely. So um, 
in your line of work, you mm. obviously have to deal with the aftermath of these situations. But it's so important to find the root causes of why these things happen. Can you tell us what do you find in common with all these cases? Is it something something in common such as gang violence? Is it drugs? Have you found the root cause yet? Mm. Yeah. So so I, I think it honestly goes back to, to something that I was just ta- talking about, and that that is the the trauma, the historical and generational. Uh, trauma that we we've experienced uh, like I said uh, America uh, was founded on mm-hmm. uh, trauma and violence right it was uh, it was uh, forcefully and uh, destructively ripped from a people who actually lived here uh, and then it was forcefully and destructively built on the backs of people who were stolen and brought here right um, and then that same uh, ravaging of destruction and violence uh, continues to build America even to today. We see that going on. And so um, that's honestly uh, the, the common denominator, I believe, in, in why we see the violence that, that we see. Um, I think that's the root cause when you look at socioeconomic uh, issues, when, when you look, you know, um, uh, call neighborhoods underserved or, or at risk. Uh, all of those things happened or are happening because of the trauma that was experienced in creating those atmospheres. Mm-hmm. So um, the the root is actually understanding, you know, um, that you aren't that trauma. You aren't, you know, that 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 situation, and that we can grow and 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 be resilient and, and thrive from. The, the traumas we've experienced yeah mm-hmm. it goes way back it's not a it's not just a recent thing no nah. um it goes way back there's mm-hmm. a lot of history there um so i know you're deep into the arts what does it mean to the youth who are involved so whether it's the ones who get to participate in trigger or maybe others what does it mean to them and their healing mm-hmm. um i i i'm kind of um this this is uh a personal to me i i think the arts it is a way that uh, can transform hearts and minds of, of, of folks, uh, especially folks who don't necessarily have or, or experience a lot of lack or a lot of um, disparity, right? Um, the arts gives you voice, gives you the opportunity to actually uh, speak. Um, I actually created a nonprofit called Magnificent World, and through that nonprofit, um, we use the arts uh, uh, so that people can tell their story of trauma. Uh, it's the it's uh, race and, and trauma, the intersection of race and trauma using the arts, like telling that. We see that in music, right? Some of the music that we listen to, they're telling stories, right? The movies we watch, they're, they're telling stories. Um, and so how do we do that um, in a way that's uh, constructive and healing, right? Um, and I think that's honestly letting young people, letting people like just tell their story, just tell, be honest and open and tell your story and, and allow those things to go out and be, be healed. Uh, one of the things talking about mental health, one of the things I think that ends up killing us is the holding in of that trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. And we, we ask, For why sure. are young men so angry? Right. Why, why, you know, are, you know, folks lashing out it's because there aren't any healthy outlets Mm -hmm. to release the trauma right and so 
I seriously believe that the arts, being on stage and just being somebody else for a couple hours or uh, being in the studio and just, you know, on the mic or producing or being in the kitchen and doing culinary type of arts, those types of things allow the trauma to be released and then right. healing can be uh, entered. And, and Yeah. And I, I feel like as men, especially men of color, we're almost programmed and taught at a young age to not express those feelings. Yep. If you do, it's, hey, man, why are you in your feelings? Yeah, <laughs> you v- know? very much so. It's all, you know, it's the blessing and the curse of being raised by a, a woman. <laughs> I was raised, yeah. you know, by a single mom. And people will say, man, you know, I really wanted my dad there. I did. But I think being raised by my mom allowed me to be more sensitive, right? Allowed me to, she was never one to be like, what you crying for you know um and so that helped me to be able to express but you're right not a lot of young men today have those outlets where they can uh, express their feelings or um cry when they want to it's okay to cry Mm -hmm. you know you're releasing toxins every time you cry so release them toxins yes yes um svip Mm -hmm. uh we talked beforehand but can you give us uh, a run through of what that looks like yeah yeah so svip again um, that's the sacramento violence intervention program it's a well space health program uh, that we started back in uh, 2010 and it it basically uh, like like we said comes alongside young people uh, who are hurting uh, the most vulnerable young people who are uh, fighting for their lives uh, not knowing you know if they're going to fully recover from injury um, and really partnering with them right um, what we found was there was aftercare uh, for just about everything from heart attack to stroke to cancer to asthma uh, but there was no aftercare for young individuals who were injured violently right and so what we know is that if you can pair um, uh, an injured person a traumatized person with someone who cares their chances of recovery shoot through the roof right Um, Before this program started, um, there was young people coming in with injuries, uh, presenting with gunshot stabs, and they would get patched up and they would go home. And then a week later, a month later, they would come back with the same injury. Um, And that's because there was nobody partnering with them saying, hey, it's okay, I know how you feel, or not even I know how you feel, just vent, let it all out, or what can I do to help support, I'm here. And as we started this program and moving through this program, we saw uh, less young people re-injuring uh, uh, with the same injuries that they're injuring. So SVIP has been, it's been my baby for, you know, a little over eight years now. And and eight years ago, how did you come up with this? Um, yeah. Well, I can't, I can't take credit for it. Uh, it was uh, uh, some Kaiser uh, folks and uh, the city of Sacramento um, violence was at an all-time high uh, back in 2010 uh, and young people coming in and out of the ER constantly and they said man something needs needs to be done right and so um, they decided to create uh, SVIP it's a it's a modeled program after a program out in Oakland um, they created it uh, talked to Wellspace Health and Wellspace Health picked it up they knew I was doing the work in the community, came and got me, and uh, that's we've been rocking ever since. So something I'm wondering, um, 
I believe uh, pretty much almost every family has their different traumas that they have to deal with together. Um, but you specifically have to see all these, you have to overview all these kind of traumas and you go through it every day through your work. Um, and I imagine uh, through the lessons that you got with your mom, the emotional connection that you have with yourself, you kind of lend that insight to these different families, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you kind of debrief yourself after having to carry that emotional baggage of other people? Yeah. How, how do you deal with that yourself? That's a, that's a, that's a great question. Um, the, you know, practicing self-care is a number one. I, I teach my team. I have a, a team of guys at work and girls who work under under me and do do the hard work now. Um, but simple stuff, right? We, we've seen young people who have been, you know, paralyzed from the neck down. They'll never walk again, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen um, young people lose body parts. We've seen some very grave injuries. And so in those instances, that's heavy stuff, right? And so simple things, like we've created um, this, this, uh, this practice where We'll go into a, a room and we'll see some individual who's injured. And after we leave the room, we'll go to the nearest sink and simply wash our hands, right? And the washing of our hands symbolizes and washing away, you know, the situation so that we can move forward. Because uh, viewing these things on a daily basis can be crippling, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's always checking in with yourself. And uh, we have a really tight team, which I call a family, and we're constantly checking in with each other saying, how are you feeling or what's going on with that case? Do you need to take time off? Should you go take a walk? Should we go get some food? We're always checking in with each other um, because this work is is tremendously heavy and it's so easy to take it home or carry it with you. And so it's a constant check in uh, uh, with us and having a a true self-care plan of the things that you that bring you back to baseline mm. is key. Gotcha. And I'm sure you've seen so much growth already in your programs. Where do you see yourself in, let's just say, 10 years? Where do you see yourself mm. in SBIP, Trigger, Magnificent World? Where do you see all that? Wow. Heading? So in 10 years, I, I, I would like to see everything I'm doing replicated across the world. Mm. That would be dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if uh, I mean, Magnificent World isn't, isn't called Magnificent World. Uh, to stay in Sacramento, it's it's a it's a gift for everyone, right? And the the arts is something that's practiced across uh, this globe, and and if we can get uh, everybody on board um, uh, using the arts to to heal from their trauma, that'd be amazing. Uh, SVIP's growth, um, we're already um, one program of of thirty programs across the nation, right? Where we have two of these programs in Europe and uh, uh, two in Canada. And so we're expanding already, but how, what does that look like as a bigger program? How do we engage young people to do this work, right? Because you guys are the catalyst to speak. Peer, peer, peer folks speaking to peer is much better than old folks like me speaking to young folks. So <laughs> how, do we, how do we empower young folks to go and take this, this message and, and this healing uh, effect uh, across the globe and so uh, 10 years from now the, the hope is that we've expanded uh, to many nations yes that's beautiful um, just planting seeds and sowing seeds yes, everywhere sir. you go that's beautiful um, and the title of our podcast is We Dream so what do you give me a radical dream you have for the future for our country our world wow. whatever you like wow 
I dream a lot. Well, you gotta sleep to dream, though. <laughs> um, um, no, I, I think, I think, my dream would be uh, to live in a post-racial uh, world, right? Where, where race didn't matter, right? Where, where um, racism didn't matter, um, where unity was one, where we came together as a people, as a, as a uh, mankind or humankind, not just man or female, but we, we came together united. Um, the work I do, and uh, unfortunately in America, everything we do, uh, race is at the center of everything. And race is a created thing, right? Um, it's created to divide, it's created to continue to uh, cause us to, to be at each other's throat. And so I dream uh, in, in a world that uh, race isn't the issue. But love reigns supreme. Yes. So, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I I did all my research and stuff, but just to talk to you in person and learn about what you do, beautiful. Um, so we both appreciate you. For being appreciate here. you guys. We would love to get you on here again, and maybe sure. we can expound yeah. on mental health issues yeah, again. And for sure. Yeah, this was dope. You guys are amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. And and, the, and for all the ladies that are watching, they're yeah. handsome. There's some handsome young men. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and how can how can we support you? Can we follow you anywhere? Can we come out and see Trigger? How can we support you? For sure. Um, well, basically, you can go. You can find us at magnificentworld um, at gmail.com. Um, um, if you want to get more information about Trigger, um, as we're growing. Trigger, the next showing of Trigger is going to be in San Francisco at uh, the National ACES Conference. We're going to um, do some monologues there, but we're hoping to actually take Trigger on the road and travel around the nation. Yeah. And some dates will be coming out uh, soon. But That's yeah, big. yeah. if you guys want more information, just see us uh, at uh, Magnificent uh, World uh, at G. For sure. Great, yeah. man. We're going to wrap it up with that. Uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank Thanks. you so much for coming Thanks, on. Thanks, guys. Appreciate again, you. Again, this is Gavin. Yeah. Raymond. And this is the We Dream Podcast. All right, we're out. We're out.